Welcome to another edition of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance podcast series. To learn more about the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, visit us at dbsalliance.org. Welcome to the DBSA Wellness Wheel podcast. My name is Maria. I'm the Programs Director at DBSA. And I'm Hannah. I'm the Programs Manager at DBSA. And we are here to dive deeper into our new resource, the DBSA Wellness Wheel. In the Wellness Wheel podcast, Maria and I will discuss challenges you might face in each area of the Wellness Wheel if you live with depression or bipolar, and we will discuss our own experience of the Wellness Wheel. Our wheels are far from perfect, so we are looking forward to learning along with our community as we expand the idea of what wellness is. After reflecting on our own experience, we will formulate some questions to ask our expert who will end our episode with some reliable evidence-based information. This month, we are exploring physical wellness. Physical wellness in our DBSA Wellness Wheel focuses on three main areas, sleep, nutrition, and physical activity. Our physical health is more complex than just those areas, but those three areas can especially inform how we experience living with depression or bipolar. We also know that regulating our sleep, nutrition, and physical activity with mindfulness can benefit our overall mental health. Today, we will sit down with expert Dr. Holly Swartz to discuss the realm of physical health and her expertise in the treatment of individuals living with depression and bipolar. But first, Maria, how's your physical wellness? (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, I cannot believe that we picked this to be our first one in the series of podcasts. (laughs) Honestly. I know, I know. Um, Okay. Seriously, I'll start it out. Um, I'm going to talk about sleep for a second. Um, so I've definitely had sleep issues throughout adulthood. Um, uh, well, especially in the past, I used to work swing shift jobs, uh, which made it very difficult to have a good sleep routine. Um, uh, on top of that, after the first few years of college, I was still on a party schedule. So uh, I know about uh, that. <laughs> Uh, drinking and staying out until 3 and 4 a.m. certainly didn't help anything, but that was a really long time ago um, because I'm older now. Now I have good sleep routine, um, and my sleep is pretty regular for that reason, but um, if anything, my sleep issues, I know that my uh, mental health is being, I know something's going on with me if I start um, waking up in the middle of the night or have a hard time getting to sleep. Um, in fact, COVID um, has, has, has made some of my mental health um, stuff, uh, some symptoms come up, but um, so that my sleep is actually a bit disturbed right now. So I don't know. How's your sleep? Yeah. I like that you said that about, you know, you're not feeling as well when your sleep suffers. And I feel like I'm just starting to understand that with myself. Um, Cause when I am feeling more depressed, I just want to sleep all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like so much so on like weekends where it just feels like it's like all day. Um, so that's pretty frustrating, but uh, overall I've been a pretty good sleeper. And I know like when I get into a good rhythm of when I fall asleep around the same time every night and I wake up the same time in the morning, I tend to feel a little bit better. So, I mean, that's what yeah. I'm striving for, but yeah. 
you know, it is what it is. Um, (laughs) Hopefully our expert will give us some more, more solutions there. Um, For sure. Another area of this, you know, in physical health is obviously nutrition. And for me personally, that is always been kind of a struggle. Mm. (sighs) I feel like I just don't know what food feels good in my body. And it's just kind of a mystery to me. Um, I've definitely tried different things to identify what feels good, but you know, maybe it's a combination of like timing that I eat too. So, you know, I think it's, it's always going to be a work in progress, the nutrition piece. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, it's when I eat, uh, you know, if I eat right before bed or, you know, if I, I don't know, have three bowls of sugary cereal in the morning. I'm ready to fall on my face at 11 a.m. So that's important. Do you, have you noticed like during COVID, have you, have have your eating habits changed at all? I'm laughing as I ask that. (laughs) I know. Well, and like my workspace is the kitchen now. So I'm looking at food literally all day. (laughs) Um. (laughs) so in the beginning I was definitely buying things food that is just uncharacteristic like having a lot of chips and snackies in the house so there was definitely a bad phase with that in the beginning but (laughs) sorry you said a little better you said snackies and I can't quit laughing so you know they're the best (laughs) um yeah to the I work my office, my quote office is my living room, which is the uh, very opposite end of my apartment. So I like to pretend like I'm getting more physical exercise when I go to my kitchen to get snackies. Um, and there definitely have been more of them. Since, That's helping your step count though. Since, so there yes, you go. There's I your know. physical activity. I know, but my <laughs> stepper is, is broken. I guess I'll have to carry my phone with me oh, no. so I can count all my steps. I know. Uh, yeah, nutrition. I feel, well, there's, again, a complicated area. Um, I know, as a person, I know from years of uh, on and off dieting, I know, I follow the trends of what's, you know, what's good for me right now. It's whatever, low carb, and has been for a little bit now, and I don't do well <laughs> on that. I mean, I'm sure my body would appreciate it, but um, I have a hard time with it, and Um, food in general is a very complicated issue for me and that could be a whole other podcast. Um, so I won't go that deeply into it, but I do understand, I do understand when I eat certain things, uh, for example, three sugary bowls of cereal in the morning, I, I do know that I'm not going to feel good, um, by lunch. Um, and depending on the choices that I make, after that for lunch who knows Mm. again COVID has sort of thrown a wrench into all of this um but I do have an understanding and maybe if I took chunks of like maybe if I just worked on eating at the same time every day and trying to include one vegetable or something uh, you know not to turn this into a diet podcast for God's sake, but but learning to um figuring out little ways for me to help myself without pretending it's, uh, you know, a bigger thing. Yeah. And I, and I think that's right on. And, and maybe Holly will speak to, you know, just the timing. Um, Cause I totally hear what you're saying. You know, if we are in the office and someone brings in donuts, uh, 
I miss that. But we would all run to the kitchen, you know, and starting your day that way can really make, you know, like an 11 a.m. slump happen. But yeah, we also have to enjoy life, too. And donuts are a part of enjoying life. So I was going to say that meets um, some of the social uh, wellness area. That's Um, true. So bookmark this to talk about donuts in the kitchen um, (laughs) as something helpful for our social wellness. Um, Okay, from going from bad to worse, maybe let's talk about um, physical activity. Yeah, how is that for you? Well, I know that um, walking, I enjoy walking. Um, I really love long walks. I don't live very far from um, preserve. And so, um, you know, I really enjoy going there just before dusk and watching the sunset. However, I don't always feel motivated to do it. Um, And when I'm not feeling well, when I'm, you know, feeling depression, when I'm tired, it's, it's so hard to be motivated anyway. But you know what, every time, every time I just grin and bear it and put my tennis shoes on and walk out the door, I am, I enjoy it immediately. So um, again, the complexities of (laughs) living with the mood disorder. But I do know that that I really enjoy long walks. I'm not uh, I'm not a gym person. I I enjoy like aerobics classes, like uh, Zumba or um, what was that one called? I think it was called Work W E R Q. Um, and those are fun. fun. Those are fun yeah. because you get to be with a bunch of people and you all look very clumsy, except for the teacher who is really just you know burning through the through the hour but um I mean it's fun so I don't know yeah I don't know tough one how's how's yours it's you know it is frustrating and it's it's one of those things where you know if you live with depression you might not have the motivation and we know that physical activity can be so helpful um to symptoms and I know that on the other side of doing physical activity I always feel a lot better. Um, my favorite thing is yoga and I've ebbed and flowed with, uh, positions and also (laughs) how much I implement, you know, a consistent yoga practice. And, you know, it's, it's always kind of one of my goals, but again, I think it kind of, all these things in the physical space kind of touch on routine, you know, like, getting into a rhythm that feels good and that can be super hard when you know you're feeling more depressed i'm feeling more depressed um (laughs) hashtag covid go on and then covid yeah exactly (laughs) and then if you have you know a set of circumstances that you didn't necessarily expect you know that can really kind of alter your routines so yeah um you know physical physical activity, you know, I, I, it's just dawning on me. We always think about running, walking, whatever, going to the gym, but mindfulness and meditation, um, you know, whether you're doing a a yoga position or not, um, posture, excuse me, yoga posture or not. It's been a while since I've been to a yoga class. Um, whether you're doing it or not, just sitting and meditating and, um, taking in your environment and breathing, is something that um, I've started doing oh, these past few weeks because the past few weeks, all the isolation, I live by myself and um, I've had to f- find something to, to help manage some of that. 
Um, no, I love that you're talking about that because, yeah. you know, I was, I was reading, you know, some alternatives to exercise, you know, if you just really can't do it, you know, deep breath, um, progressive muscle relaxation where you, you know, you start with your toes, you tense it up, you let it go. And I really can feel the difference if I just even sit with those types of activities, just a little meditation for a couple minutes. It really yeah. can change how my body feels. Yes. So that's what I'm trying to listen to more in regards to all these things, like just listening to my body, trying to see what it needs. Cause I do think it has answers. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of been a mystery code for most of my life. So. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of which the, um, you know, we worked on these worksheets and um, we hope our listeners download them and um, find them useful. But one of the journal prompts um, you, uh, you put down was write a, write a love letter to your body. <laughs> when yeah. I was filling out these sheets myself um, and I had to give myself a little bit of break after we did these, I, because <laughs> I was too far into it, we were too much into it. But now that I go back and I, you know, I'm looking at these prompts and the write a love letter to your body one, um, sort of landed with a thud and um I think that's I haven't I haven't done it yet but I feel like that is um that is going to be the most important um journal prompt for me to yeah to start writing on did you have anything specific that um that you when you were doing your when you were doing the physical wellness um like did anything surprise you or well, I don't know that necessarily anything surprised me because, you know, <laughs> I helped write the worksheets. But, you know, I think when you actually go through it and write everything down, it really can be a moment of, oh, crap, or, oh. And so I think that's why it's important that we have this podcast and we talk to people about, you know, the different areas of wellness because it's definitely right. not one size fits all. You know, it's not that the answers that we come up with with our expert are going to be the answers. Everything right. is just, you know, a, everyone experiences everything a little bit differently. So it, it's definitely a learning process. Yeah. Um, well, and as DBSA, as, as we truly believe, everybody has their own path to wellness. There's no, um, there's no prescription to, um, for everybody. So, right. Yeah, that's right. Well, it seems like we've established, you know, kind of where we're at. I'm really excited to talk to Dr. Schwartz about um, what she knows in this area. We'll Me too. We'll to you soon. Hey there. We're taking a quick break from our content to let you know about DBSA's online support groups. We know it can't always be easy to get into an in-person support group. Maybe there isn't one close to your house. Maybe you are homebound because of COVID-19. But our online support groups are here to help. They are facilitated by trained peer support specialists who will get where you are coming from. DBSA support groups are created for peers by peers. Head to dbsalliance.org to find out more. Now back to Maria and Hannah. Hannah. 
Welcome back, everyone. We've come to the expert section of the podcast. Today, we have Dr. Holly Swartz, professor of psychiatry at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. She received her medical degree from Albert Einstein College of Medicine and completed her psychiatric residency training at the New York Hospital Cornell University School of Medicine. Dr. Swartz's research focuses on understanding and optimizing psychosocial interventions for mood disorders. She is well known for her work evaluating interpersonal psychotherapy and interpersonal and social rhythms therapy as treatments for depression and bipolar disorder. She is the author of over 100 publications, co-editor of the book, Bipolar II Disorder, Recognition, Understanding, and Treatment, and editor of the American Journal of Psychotherapy. Dr. Swartz has held leadership positions for national and international professional organizations, including president of the International Society for Interpersonal Psychotherapy and treasurer of the International Society of Bipolar Disorders. She is actively involved in teaching the next generation of clinicians and researchers about mood disorders, disseminating information about effective treatments, and providing training in evidence-based psychotherapies. Dr. Swartz, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So I guess I'll dive right in with our first question. Uh, key parts of physical wellness are identified in our wellness wheel as sleep, nutrition, and exercise. Can you tell us a bit more about how these areas impact our physical and mental health? Uh, it's a great question, and I'm going to take a bit of a roundabout journey to answer it, if you can sort of bear with me. I think um, what, I, what I want to do is sort of um, backtrack for a minute and, and talk about body clocks and circadian rhythms before I um, answer your question, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think that these are concepts that everybody, you know, is familiar with in general, but I just want to highlight why they're really important to health and well-being. So, um, body clocks are, um, are the body's uh, internal clocks, and they're essentially brain systems that uh, help to contribute to our daily well-being. And, and what they do is uh, they, they keep our body and our behavior synchronized with the 24-hour cycle of light and dark. So they help us to keep our bodies essentially running smoothly. And when our bodies run smoothly, we feel better. Um, and the converse is also true. So it, it shows that, uh, the research shows that when um, our body clocks are disruptive, we experience many mental and physical health problems, including mood symptoms, diabetes, obesity, cancer. So these things are really um, uh, tightly interconnected. So, so the reason why I want to talk about body clocks is because our mental well-being, our physical health, um, our eating patterns are all tightly linked up with our body clocks. Um, so, so the body clocks, uh, our body clocks are actually throughout the entire body, really in, in every organ throughout our body. Um, and so literally everything we do contributes to our body running smoothly on a 24-hour cycle. And so the reason why this is important uh, is that the information that goes into keeping our body clock stable. Uh, the reason why this is important is that um, eating 
healthy meals, but almost as importantly, eating meals on a regular schedule um, help to keep our body clocks um, uh, on, a, uh, on a regular schedule and help to keep our body clocks running smoothly. Um, similarly with exercise, getting regular exercise gives information to our body clocks uh, about when we are in the 24-hour cycle and helps to keep us uh, uh, healthy. Um, so let me, let me also kind of give another piece of you know, really important information. So our body clocks, from an, from an evolutionary standpoint, our body clocks were kept running smoothly um, by the rising and the setting of the sun. So um, there are inputs from our eyes that are very sensitive to light that help um, essentially tell our brains um, when morning starts, when nighttime, when nighttime falls, and when it's time to get up and when it's time to go to sleep. And our ancestors would be very sensitive to when the sun was rising and when the sun was setting. But of course, now, you know, most of us don't live our lives according to the rising and the setting of the sun. And so our brain relies on all sorts of other kinds of inputs um, in order to run smoothly. Um, and so we're much more sensitive to the kinds of cues in our environments um, that set our daily routines and rhythms in order to keep our body clocks running smoothly. So things like um, going to work at the same time every day, um, having meals at the same time every day, getting exercise at the same time every day, uh, making sure that we go to bed at the same time every day because our partner is going to bed at the same time uh, every night. Um, these kinds of social cues are really important to help our body clocks run smoothly. And as I said before, when our body clocks run smoothly, we feel better. When our body clocks don't run smoothly, we feel worse. And so it's really important that the kinds of things that you mentioned, um, physical exercise, uh, healthy eating, um, that, that those, those factors really help to contribute to keeping our body clocks running smoothly. When our body clocks run smoothly, we feel better. Yeah, that's uh, some of the stuff Hannah and I, um, <laughs> when, we, when we talked about, um, well, especially now in, in COVID, how uh, things have, um, well, our routines have been messed up and we're working from home. And, you know, Hannah mentioned she works in her kitchen and um, I'm pretending that walking from my living room to the kitchen is, uh, you know, to get more snacks is, um, is I'm getting some steps in. <laughs> but uh, could you talk a little bit about when things are, are thrown off kilter, um, how we can pay more attention and, and do little things to get us, get us back, get the, the clock back on track? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, um, I mean, the, the first thing that's, you know, what you're pointing out is when um, things happen in our lives to upset our regular routines, it disturbs our underlying biology. It, it, it can play havoc with our body clocks and that can affect lots and lots of biologic systems that are essentially controlled by our body clocks. And so they can get off, off uh, course really easily. And the things that we rely on to keep them or to sort of get them back on track um, are the things that you're talking about, um, you know, work or exercise. And so, as you point out, you know, sort of 
the pandemic, the, the COVID-19 pandemic is a great example of what happens when we lose a lot of the, what we call daily anchors that help to keep our body clocks running smoothly. And so, um, it, you know, before the pandemic, a lot of these anchors were sort of present and we didn't have to think about it. We sort of had to get up in order to go to work because we had to go to work. But, you know, if you're working from home, these things are a little more fluid. Maybe you're not working, maybe you're furloughed. Um, you know, maybe you had a really set routine and you went to the gym every day and now the gyms are closed. You know, there's, there's all sorts of slippage in, in daily anchors. And so, so, so now, you know, I think, you know, and the, and the COVID-19 pandemic is, is a really clear cut example, but this happens um, at other times of our lives also when, when, we're, when, you know, we are on vacation, for instance, and we're not following our daily routines, or we have, uh, you know, a, a new member of the family, the birth of a child, or, you know, we get a new roommate, all sorts of things can throw our routines off. Um, it, at, the, at, at these really important times of our lives, we have to be much, much more intentional about our daily routines because we still really need them to keep our body clocks on track. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things that we know is if we have mood disorders, our body clocks are actually much more sensitive than if we don't have mood disorders. So it's easier for our body clocks to get off kilter and our body clocks need more inputs from the environment to stay on track. And so um, if we have mood disorders, we're actually more vulnerable to getting off track for our body clocks to get off track. So we have to be even more vigilant about our routines um, in order to keep our body clocks running smoothly in order to stay well. So um, I think, you know, you know, you talked about um, some of the things that you can do in your in your apartment or in your home um, to keep, uh, you know, to keep giving information to your body clock about when it is in the course of, of the day. So, uh, you know, I mean, really just kind of walking through the day, um, probably the most important thing um, that you can do to your body clock is to get up at the exact same time every single day. Um, that actually is a huge um, input to the body clock that sets, uh, resets a whole host of actually neurohormonal factors in our brain um, and tells us that, you know, the day has started. Um, it, it helps to uh, stabilize things like blood pressure and your temperature. Um, it's, a, it's a really important factor for our body clocks. So, um, you know, even though you might not have some place to go, figuring out a way to get up at the exact same time every day is really important, especially when your schedules are out of are off kilter. The next thing that's really important is I mentioned um, that we have body clocks in every organ of our body, including our our intestines. So in our in our um, gastrointestinal tract. So our our body clocks um, are sensitive to when we eat, um, and so actually having something to eat first thing in the morning essentially is sort of waking up your body clock. Um, so, so having a small, you know, healthy meal first thing in the morning can also be really informative to your body clock to keep it on track. 
and telling your body clock, hey, you know, I'm awake, I'm, I'm eating breakfast, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the day. Another kind of an intentional thing that's really helpful, again, it's helpful all the time, um, but especially when we're sort of, you know, in some kind of schedule limbo is, is light, right? So remember I mentioned that sort of, um, you know, the, 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 the factors that, you know, used to keep our body clocks um, running sort of by the, by, you know, the most important um, factor was the rising and the setting and sun. Our, our, our body clocks are extremely sensitive to light. We need to get exposure to light to stabilize our body clocks. And so, um, you know, sitting all day inside a dark room is probably not really very good for us. And so, as, you know, really as soon as you wake up, if possible, um, we want to get some light exposure. So, I mean, it's great if you can, you know, you know, have the energy to take a walk. That's really great. But if you can't do that, um, you know, get to a window and, you know, just, you know, have your, you know, healthy breakfast or meal sitting next to a window. That's probably better than, you know, sitting in a dark room if, if, uh, if that's possible. So, I mean, these are very, um, you know, yeah, it's being a little bit more intentional about this, but these are really important cues that you can use to help your body clock function better. And that'll help you feel better too. I like what you're, you know, you're saying about the value of routines. And when Maria and I were talking about, you know, kind of our own experience of the wheel, I was kind of assuming, you know, I, I do feel better when I have that, that consistent wake time in the morning. Um, but to kind of loop back to what you were saying earlier, you know, if we live with a mood disorder, um, that we are more vulnerable to getting off track. So, and, you know, we're living through the experience of COVID-19 right now, where a lot of people might feel that their routines have been thrown off track. So where would you recommend, you know, people who live with mood disorders start when they're thinking about routines and how to, you know, implement that when depression can sometimes be telling us we don't have the motivation to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's so hard because, you know, you know, all of these, you know, things that I'm talking about are essentially behavior change and behavior change, you know, is especially tough when you're not feeling motivated, when you're, when you're feeling depressed. And, um, you know, I think the first place to do start is, you know, to be gentle with yourself, not to be hard on yourself, um, and to recognize that it is harder when you're when you're feeling depressed and you're not feeling motivated. Um, the paradox, of course, which we all recognize, is that um, you know doing these things will actually help with the depression. So you know the conundrum is how to find ways you know to kind of get back on track even though you're not feeling like doing anything. So you know I think I think um, you know things that sometimes are helpful are first of all starting really small um and you know not trying to do everything all at once because that often feels so overwhelming so maybe picking one small goal so you know sometimes and something that that you know might bring a little bit of joy so finding something that you know is pleasurable is probably a good starting place so if the thought of sitting by a window you know might you know feel not so overwhelming and might feel like it, it's a source of pleasure, maybe start there. You know, if you're not ready to go outside and take a walk, you know, just start by sitting by the window. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the current recommendations are to spend, to get at least two hours of daylight. 
Um, if that feels like too long, start with 15 minutes, you know, you know, getting up at the same time every day, you know, it, we can think of that as an aspirational goal. Um, the other thing that often really helps is um, support from others. So, you know, we're social animals and, you know, even though when we're depressed, we tend to isolate, um, sometimes, you know, engaging um, a friend or a peer can be really helpful. So if you have somebody that you can buddy up with um, and you agree to, you know, sort of work together on this and say, okay, you know, my goal for, you know, getting up this week is 10 o'clock. Shall we, you know, text each other at, you know, 10, 15 and see if we've met our goal this week, you know, or um, uh, something that, you know, uh, would allow you to have some kind of, you know, accountability or, or some kind of social connection. Um, that sometimes is another way to, you know, increase your motivation and make it um, a little bit more, you know, fun. That's, um, I actually, I have a friend back home that we, we talk every Thursday night. We have our own little book club, um, which may say something about us, but, um, we decided Ooh. that, uh, every morning, 7 a.m. that we're going to, um, meditate with each other in mind for, for 10 minutes. And then afterwards we send each other a heart and, uh, it's been, cause I live by myself. So, any kind of just a reminder that that other people I mean logically I know other people are around and we all love each other but it, it's just nice to have a little um well routine that's that's the word of today a routine to um to sit in for a little bit and have some comfort that's a great idea I really love that um because it it reinforces routine and also social connection because social connection is also really important um especially during this period of isolation. So, you know, what I would normally say, you know, sort of pre-COVID would be, uh, uh, well, you know, you know, plan to meet someone, you know, mm -hmm. meet someone for a cup of coffee. And that, you know, kind of serves the, the dual purposes of, you know, scheduling and gives you a goal for getting out of bed at a specific time and helps provide, you know, social connection. But of course, that's, you know, a tougher to do now. Um, but, you know, I think what you described is really lovely. Um, it allows you to, you know, uh, have a, a moment of connection early in the morning um, while, you know, being remote from, from other people. Yeah. Um, Hannah, do you want to talk about uh, yesterday? We talked about our, we miss our, <laughs> our donut experience in the office because of the social connection. Um, we're so excited to bring that back because everybody talked and that, you know, someone would bring it in. And of course, donuts aren't, um, you know, full of nutrition, but socially it made, uh, we connected with each other and um, I don't know. I just was, Hannah and I talked about that yesterday. So I don't know, Hannah, if you have anything else to say about that or. Um, no, I just question. think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, it's great to start thinking about these things in tandem that, you know, even though this is the physical wellness space we're talking about, you know, I, I like that you bring up, Dr. Schwartz, the just importance of, you know, using your social life as, you know, an accountability tactic um, can be really, really helpful. I guess my, my last follow-up question I'd, I'd want to ask is, in your experience of understanding, um, you know, kind of our daily anchors and our, our body clocks, um, have you seen imp improvement in folks who 
were able to kind of implement this in a, in a successful way? Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, the um, it's really clear that if um, that regular routines are associated with improvement in mood. So, um, uh, you know, I think that people can feel confident that establishing regular routines and rhythms uh, can help to um, stabilize mood uh, in individuals with mood disorders in particular. Um, but it's probably good for anybody, I, I would say, but because um, it's also, you know, associated with um, unstable rhythms are also associated with, with poor physical health outcomes too. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when, when we talk about rhythms and routines, I mean, we started at the early part of the day, but it, it extends throughout the day. So, you know, I think we're also thinking about um, other, other meal, meals, you know, um, and in particular, one of the ones that we often talk about is uh, dinner time. Um, and this is important because then this gets us into the cascade of events that set, sets us up for a successful night's sleep. So, um, you know, having having some food in your belly as, as nighttime in, approaches is important. It starts to tell your body that it's time to wind down. Having, um, you know, a some kind of wind down ritual in the evening, limiting our exposures to screens, you know, you know, I think we all, you know, have read a lot by now about the um, uh, blue spectrum lights that um, actually suppress melatonin um, and make it harder for us to fall asleep. So, you know, sort of trying to get some of that blue light out of our lives in the evenings and, again, aiming for uh, going to bedtime that's very consistent um, will help us get a good night's sleep, which also contributes to health and well-being. So I think... Um, I think that you know when we think about uh, daily routines, we're really thinking about routines that span the entire 24-hour cycle. Because again, we're talking about circadian rhythms and and body clocks, which are operating you know 20 literally 24/7. And so, uh, you know, I think when, when we think about wellness and and well-being, getting ourselves on uh, routines uh, across 24 hours that um, are, are as stable as possible, and that that will that that and that those kinds of uh, stable routines are associated with uh, improved mood and well-being uh, for individuals with mood disorders. So, um, and, and they sort of feed on each other because the, the you know, each step kind of prepares the, the body clock for, for the next step. So I think that, you know, any piece of that that you can work on or feel like you can work on with a, with a friend, I think uh, can help contribute to improved well-being. Yeah, I think that's um, what I'm. What I'm taking away most is is the um, well, you know, being kind and gentle with yourself and trying little things that eventually will add up. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone when I, you know, um, tomorrow is I'm going to wake up. A, um, I'm going to be my my the best version of myself and and set myself up for failure. Uh, so so the idea of just you know. Maybe maybe putting your phone down a half hour before you go to bed or, or whatever you know maybe five minutes who knows you know depending on 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 what uh, you're you're trying to accomplish but I I really like that um, I like thinking like that yeah I nobody nobody can do it all it's it's too overwhelming and especially if you know if you're if you're feeling depressed it's it's really especially difficult. Um, there are some technology things that can be done, like you can subtract the blue light out of most screens that there's, you know, apps for, for, for doing that sort of thing, which also 
which also helps. But also, you know, I think we want to find things that give us pleasure and joy. So, you know, taking a relaxing bath or or listening to soothing music gives you pleasure. I think, you know, go for the thing that gives you pleasure. Start there. I think that that's always a good starting. Yeah, good point. That's yes, definitely easy to start with with what feels most accessible and you know, the way you explain it, I think, you know, it makes perfect sense that all of this would be tied to um, our body clock and circadian rhythms, you know, we can definitely see that in the way some people experience uh, seasonal affective disorder, shortening days, maybe uh, bad uh, moods might arise in, you know, those kind of circumstances. So, um, so while it might be hard to implement, you know, especially if you're feeling symptoms of um, depression or bipolar, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense when explained. So thank you for taking us through that. You're welcome. And one of the things I like about this is I feel like it's it, these are these are tools and anybody can use them. And um, you know I I feel like you know if you play with them a little bit they can be empowering. You don't have to do them all, um, but they're like little tricks that you can use um, to feel better. And that's and that's nice to have that you know available to any of us at, you know, really at any time. Starting where uh, joy is, is probably the easiest place to start. Thank you so much, Dr. Schwartz, for joining us to have this important conversation. Um, I think we learned and maybe affirmed, you know, what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, Maria, that uh, yeah. implementing a routine might, might really make a difference. Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Swartz. Um, it has been a pleasure talking to you again. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Swartz was a Claremont winner uh, last year, and um, just in, and she's a, a part of our scientific advisory board, and she is very important with our organization. So thanks so much for, for joining us again. You're welcome. My, it's my pleasure. We will be back again with another element of the DBSA Wellness Wheel next month. Remember, you can find the DBSA Wellness Wheel and all of our wellness resources at dbsalliance.org slash wellness wheel. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.